And it reads, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Amen. You may have your seat as we welcome Pastor Todd. Good morning. It's been a good morning already. Amen. I was getting dressed and I kept looking here and I was like, man, I might not make it out on time. I don't know if you ever try to put dress socks on damp feet. That's not a good idea. I was like, man, you've got to get on. I cannot go out there with a uh, barefoot. So that's what took me a little longer, trying to put uh, dress socks on damp feet. So, but it is good to be here. It's good to celebrate with you, celebrate these children and Man, I wish Jenny was here because she would have got my collar. Man, I'm all like disheveled. I, I don't normally come in like guns a blazing, but I feel all like disoriented. Uh, let me collect my own self real fast. Anyway, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be in God's house rejoicing with God's people. So let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to dive into this one verse this morning together. God, we do. We come and celebrate again uh, what all that you're doing here at this church. I pray now, God, you would just still my own mind and heart. I was trying to uh, get all this, uh, things that need to be done this morning, and yet come before your people with a stilled heart to deliver what I believe is your message for your people. So I pray that would be true for all of us in this building this morning, in this moment, that through the Holy Spirit, you'd still us. And instilling our minds and our thoughts, you'd open us to your holy word. None of us would leave the way we came in. We leave more like your son. You've called us to be holy, therefore we desire to be holy. And that can only happen by the, the, the renewal of your word in our hearts and minds. So lead us, guide us. Let your word, which is inerrant, inspired, and infallible, the gift that you gave to us, be the thing that would wash over us this morning. We pray this. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, and all of God's people said, Amen. Well, this morning we will cover just one verse. Um, James chapter 5. Next week, Brother Joshua will we come. I'm going on a vacation, uh, so I will not be with you, but Brother Joshua will come and deliver uh, the next few verses with us this morning. Uh, I look forward to uh, helping him prepare and being with him throughout the process and listening next Sunday, um, what he has from God's word for God's people. Well, the passage is simple, yet not easy. And that's so true when we come to God's word. We can read God's word, it seems so simple, so black and white. He tells us from the get-go, it's all about not swearing. But boy, do we live in a society that swears. Now that word swear in the Greek does not mean bad language. That word in the Greek means that we are not to take promises that we're not willing to keep. I don't know if you've been around people that have done that. Uh, there's four pillars in our society. The four pillars of our society are this, medicine, law, education, and pastors. You turn on the news, you will see that those four pillars are not uh, keeping up with their promises that they made, true? 
And so therefore we live in a society that doesn't hold its promises and we wonder why our society is falling apart because we need the truth. If Jesus is accurate, which we all believe that truth is what sets us free, then we need even our society to be truthful with us. I remember this being true. I don't share this story in a way of bragging. I just share this story in, as a place of remembrance. You can laugh at this. I ran for class president in my uh, Bible college, all five people. So it wasn't going to be hard to win. It, it was me, my opponent, and three people that were voting. It was a little larger than that. But I remember we had to give this speech in front of our class. I was the, going, uh, trying to become the class president. My desire was that we would be in a school that would really promote God's word. And so it took me about a week to deliver this speech. And so uh, because my name ends in a W, I got to go last. So I got the benefit of listening to the other uh, men and women share what their desire was for the school. And thank God, um, by God's grace, the guy that went right before me, he started making some promises. And I was like, man, this, I'm going to kill this speech. Because this is what he promised the class, our freshman class. He promised two things. The first thing he promised was that he was going to go and he's going to work his tail off to make sure that we had good food in the cafeteria. And I was like, man, I, I don't know like what promise you're making, but that food, I mean, I don't know if you ever had cafeteria food, but when you're trying to cook for the masses, it's never going to be good. And I, I thought, man, you're, you're promising people this. Now, here's the other promise he made. And, I, and as soon as he made this promise, I was like, man, I have won. I have won. I don't even need to get up there and talk. I don't mean to be crude or gross. He promised our school that we'd go from single-ply toilet paper to double-ply toilet paper. That was his promise. That was like his campaign speech. And I thought to myself, man, that is a promise you cannot keep. Now, I say that as a way of joking. How many of us? I've heard people make promises that they weren't going to keep. And let me take it another step forward. How many of us have made promises we knew we wouldn't keep? We can point the finger at everyone else, but what God's word is going to do is point it back to us. And so this morning, I, I want to take a, a, an inventory of our own lives. How many of us in this room have made promises? I know as a pastor, as a dad, I've made a lot of promises that first I knew I wasn't going to keep. Anyone ever done that before? It's with my kids. Like, I'm like, man, it, whatever it takes to get these two to stop arguing, I'll buy you 10,000 Pokemon cards. I don't care. Like, man, I will make so many promises in the back of my mind. I'm like, man, but I'm not going to keep them. Anyone else done that? Am I the only one? Like, you're just hoping for relief. So you're making promises you know you're not going to take to the bank. How many of us have done that with our spouse? How many of us have done that in our workplace? And God is saying to us in his word this morning, it is this. That we ought to, by no means, make promises that we're not willing to keep. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a society that was built on truths and not lies and broken promises? One step further, wouldn't it be nice to be in a church that held God's truth and we would make promises that we would keep to one another? That's what James is talking about here. James is saying right out of the gates, he says it, my brothers, my sisters, the church, 
Stop making promises you will not keep. We have the same problem that those Jews had over 2,000 years ago. Now, it might not be outward promise. It could be inward promises. This is what one writer says. And I was, when I read this quote, I was like, man, that is so true. Daniel Webster says this. There is nothing as powerful as the truth. And often nothing so strange. Let me read that quote again. There is nothing as powerful as the truth, but often nothing as strange. What Daniel Webster is saying is, we've so forgotten what the truth is. When we hear the truth, it's so strange to our ears and minds. I wonder how often that's true about God's word. This is the truth. And yet, how many of us don't want to live our lives by God's truth? It's so strange to us. Right, this is so true here in America. So many of us have made truths and promises. I wonder for us, all the promises that we've made that we have not kept. And so I want to talk about that this morning. I'm going to talk about it in a couple ways. It's not that James is telling us not to make promises. It's not what James is saying. We see throughout the Bible that Jesus himself made promises. And James is what he's doing. He's going to take his brother's word, word for word, basically, from Matthew chapter 5. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5 to see what Jesus said about making promises. This is on the Sermon of the Mount. The sermon that he gave before he started his earthly ministry to establish the kingdom of God and what it meant for people to live in his kingdom. And so he's teaching them there's certain pillars that you have to abide by if you're going to be in his kingdom. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through the following. He says, again, you have heard that it was said, what Jesus is saying there, he's going back to the Old Testament, the, the rabbis of the day had began to teach the people of the day what God's word said, but they distorted what God's word said. He said, you've heard it said this from those of old, the rabbis, the teachers from the Old Testament, that you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, neither by heaven, for it is the throne of God, and, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem. For it is the city of the great king, and do not take an oath by the head of your hair. You cannot make your hair black or white. Let us say simply, let our yes or no, and anything more than that comes from evil. And so Jesus is saying, let me go back and reteach you what the Old Testament had to say about oaths. So what he's going to say to us, it's okay to take an oath. It's how you take the oath. We, we know that through Numbers chapter 30 verse 2, he says this, this is what Moses is saying to the people, if a man vows to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself to the pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So Mo Moses is saying, it's okay to take an oath. It's just you got to keep the oath that you're taking. 
He says again in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 21, If you make an oath to the Lord your God, you shall not delay in fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin if you do not do it on a timely manner. Again in Leviticus chapter 19, 20, We swear not by my name, do not swear by my name falsely or profane the name of the Lord your God. See, over and over throughout the Old Testament, we see that there's been promises that have been made. So again, I want to say again and again, when James is talking, when Jesus is talking, it's not about making or not making promises. I had to take an oath a couple weeks ago when I went into the court of law. I had to put my hand on a Bible and testify to the court that I would tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. I had to say that. Now, isn't it sad that I even have to say that in a court of law? Because we live in a society that our oaths don't matter, and so now we have to make sure that our promises are going to be kept. Not only in the Old Testament do we see that promises have been made, we see that throughout the New Testament. Paul himself, over and over again, he says this, for this is Romans chapter 1, verse 9, for God is my witness, whom I serve. That's what he's saying, God, I'm making this promise to whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Without ceasing, I mention you. In 2 Corinthians 1, 23, he says this, but I will call God as the witness against me. Again, in Galatians chapter 1, 20, he says this, in what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. So what is James saying to us this morning? What is it about these O's that James is talking about. We know from the text, he's rounding the corner to end his little letter. He says, above all, he's saying to them as he writes these few things throughout this letter, he's talked to them about what comes out of your mouth. Remember, our speech and how it edifies people. It talks about not lying. And James, again, he's going to go continue to point us back to what comes out of our mouth. Why is that? The reason for that is what Jesus himself said. What comes out of a mouth reveals the heart. And so James knows if we're making empty promises that not what you're not willing to keep, he's saying to us, it's going to reveal your heart. And so when we do this, and when you make promises, and when I make promises, it reveals something to us. And so now James is saying to us, don't make any of those promises. And then it's like, well, then what is he talking about when he says, do not swear by heaven or by earth or any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. He, he says this, because what was happening in that day, would, they would begin to make promises based on the heaven. They would make promises based on the earth. They'd make ba based their promises on the temple. But what they were doing was playing this chess match with God and people. They wouldn't swear by God, but they swear by all these other things. They were looking for loopholes, how they could get out of the promises they made without the consequences of not keeping their promises. Anyone ever done that? Yes, you have. Here's how I know. You've all done that. Remember as a kid, you used to say this to your, your brother or your sister, I had my fingers crossed. Or it's opposite day. Or sight. That's what James is referring to. That's the modern day way of him saying what he's saying. How many of us look for loopholes out of the promises so that we can get our way? 
Think about marriage itself. Marriages become contractual rather than a covenant. So if I, I can break a contract, it's easy to break a contract. You know how a contract works. I do my part as long as you do your part. So if you don't do your part, I get to break the contract. That's a loophole. That's not what God's word says. Thank God he doesn't make a contract with us. But he made a covenant with us. And therefore, because the covenant he made, there are no loopholes for Jesus and God. And yet we do that so often, do we not? I pray that we would be men and women that would not have our fingers crossed when we make promises. That we would simply be men and women of our word the way James and Jesus says it here. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now I'm going to get to the last point, but here's the deal with this. What is so important about our truth-telling? I believe this is what's true about our truth-telling. I believe there's no, other, no greater witnessing tool than for us to tell the truth. Because why? why? Why is it if we tell the truth, what does it reveal? First, I believe this. It reveals what you believe true to be about God. Because if God's called you to be a, a follower of him, then you will reveal that you believe that God is a truth teller. Therefore, you ought to be a truth teller. It reveals to you what you believe about Jesus. Not just God, but Jesus. Jesus was a truth teller. And lastly, maybe most importantly, it will reveal to you what you believe to be relationally with other people. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 13, 35. By this, all people will know you are my disciples. By what? The way that you love one another. The most loving thing that you can do to another person is what? Tell them the truth. But when we don't tell each other the truth, then we're not really loving one another. I wish, anyone ever seen the movie Liar, Liar? Remember that movie? I'll tell you about Liar, Liar. One day, I hope this happens. I hope this, this spirit falls on this church. It would be awesome what happens. The movie Liar, Liar is about Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, a, he's a lawyer. I don't know if you know much about law, lawyers. They don't always tell the truth. So Jim Carrey, what he does is he's looking for all these ways throughout this movie how not to tell the truth and to win these cases so he gets more famous. In, in essence, that's the Todd uh, Bridge version of it. And then one day he's lying and all of a sudden this curse falls on him that he has to tell the truth. And so for the rest of the movie, everything that comes out of that dude's mouth is the truth. And it is amazing. Now what would that look like for us? If everything that we said was simply the truth to one another, it would be one of the most crazy moments, but one of the most loving moments. Now, I'm not talking about like uh, men. Let me just talk to you for a second. If your wife asks you if you, they look good in dress, the answer is always yes. That is always going to be the truth. I just promise you that, all right? Just heads up on that. But what I'm saying to, to us about telling each other the truth what would it look like if everything that came out of us when we spoke to each other was simply the truth? That would be an amazing way to live. Here's the deal about telling lies. You've got to keep lies. 
Let me say that again. When you tell lies, you got to keep lies. Anyone ever caught in a lie and then you lie about the lie and you're like, man, I can't remember where this thing even started. So what happens in life when you don't keep the promises that you make, you don't keep the oaths that you make, instead of looking forward, you're always looking backwards to what you have to cover. That is an exhausting way to live life. I know that to be true in my own life. That is how I ended up in rehab for 90 days. It wasn't just for my addiction. It was for the lies that came out of my addiction and the lies that were on top of the lies. And finally, the lies caught up to me. That's what Jesus says in Luke. He says this, what you do in the secret places, that's even in your heart, will one day be revealed in the hilltops. That ought to terrify us. There are no secrets or broken promises in God's kingdom. They will always be revealed to us. Are we going to be truth tellers or will we be lie makers? And here's the reason we want to be truth tellers. It's what he says in the last part of the text. He says, so let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. How come? So that you may not what? Fall under judgment. That ought to send a shiver up our spine. There is no such thing in God's kingdom of a white lie. And you will fall under God's judgment for every lie that you tell. You will have to give an account for all that you've done. And James is pleading, just be a truth teller so you don't have to sit under God's judgment. Now remember who he's talking to in the text. He's not talking to unbelievers. Because he says in the text, above all my who? My brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, yes, you are forgiven beyond a shadow of doubt in your salvation, but you will still face the judgment seat of Christ in the sins that you commit. You still have to give an account for those things. Now, thank God we have an intercessor and a a mediator that stands before us and God pleading on our behalf, even when we do sin, but we still are going to have to give an account for those things. And what James is saying, you don't want that condemnation. It's not the same condemnation that Paul is talking about when he says, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because there is none of that condemnation, but it's that place of having to give an account for what we've done. And James is pleading with us that we would not have to do that. What James is pleading with us, and it's what I'll say in closing, is simply this. Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if we no longer had to look backwards, see what we had to cover up, but we could live moving forward? How much more for the kingdom of God could we do? Think about that for a moment. How much our sin or our lies keep us from doing all that God wants us to do in the kingdom? Because, man, if I promise this, you remember a few years ago, Usain Bolt, you remember him, the fastest dude in the world? He was going to blow the, the, he beat the world record. But he was going to blow the world record out of the water. But you know what he did? Anyone remember the race? He looked behind him to see where he was at. And it slowed him down. Now, that's just a metaphor. How about that for us, for this kingdom? How often are we running the race that God has set before us, but we're looking backward to see what we've got to cover up? There's no freedom in that.
There's no freedom in that. If we believe what Paul said about us in Christ Jesus, we are free. Let us live free indeed. But if you have secrets, if you have broken oath or broken promises, you're not living a free life. And therefore, if you're not living a free life, you cannot do all that God has set out for you to do in his kingdom. So as Jesus said, as James said, I'll read again. Above all, my brothers and sisters here at Palace Chapel, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Church, may we live free from that condemnation and live free to do all that God has called us to do. Let me pray for us this morning.